if you've been a part of the vine for any period of time, you'll hopefully know that our vision here at the church is a simple one. It is to grow big people. You know, whether you're with us for two weeks, two months, two years, two decades, we want you to grow in your relationship with Jesus. And really for us, everything we do at the vine centers around that passion. And, and growing big people is really the idea of two things. First, it's the primary idea of your own personal spiritual growth, your way of learning about yourself, bringing your, your needs to Jesus, having that restoration and that healing, the anointing upon you, growing and deepening your roots in your spiritual faith journey, all of the things that you would expect about your own personal maturity in Him. But growing big people is also about becoming a big person in the community and society that you're placed in. It's not just about growing for yourself, but it's also then about believing how the gospel grows in your community, about being an individual who stands on behalf of justice, of peace, of reconciliation and the brokenness that you see around yourself and your neighborhoods. Growing big people is our passion for you personally, but it's also the passion that we believe God has for our city. And we want to see us come together to transform not just ourselves personally, but the nation in which we live. You know, this was the Apostle Paul's passion when he began the early church. I love his letter to the church in Ephesus. This was a church that had just been saved out of a Greco-Roman empire. And Paul writes to them, passionate for them to understand what it is to grow in their faith, to learn that that faith is given them by grace. They haven't earned it. And in that maturity of faith that they can go into their cities and their societies and change and transform those places for Jesus. In chapter 4, Paul gets really focused with them around this idea of their maturity in Christ. And he says, look, if we can all come together, all giving one another these acts of service, we can be built up in the unity of the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God so we could become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. I love that idea, the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. For us at the Vine, that's the central passage that sits around everything we do. We want you to know the whole measure of the fullness of Christ for you, for your family, and for this city in which God has planted us in. And really, all the sermon series that we do here at the church, everything we teach, everything we do in our communities, in our ministries, it's all designed to move that idea forward. The development of our faith personally and the development and the implementation of that faith in the world around us. And this series that we're starting today is no exception. Back at Vision Sunday, I brought to us this idea that each one of us is a single drop of water in the river that God is unfolding here in our city in Hong Kong, that God has called us as the vine to think about ourselves as this kind of flowing river. And I said to us that if we're going to flourish as a church in the future, if we're going to grow and change, if we're going to impact our city, it's going to happen because we're going to find ourselves deepened in our spiritual disciplines, that our faith, both as a community and individually, is rooted in something far deeper than just our experience of God together on a Sunday in those 90 minutes when we gather 
I actually said in that series that, that one of the things that is challenging to us in this time of COVID is the reality that oh, we, we often realize that so much of the sum total of our faith is found and dedicated to those 90 minutes on a Sunday. So much so that when that's removed from us, as it has been during the COVID time, it actually brings a great sort of disruption to our faith. And many of us have struggled to maintain our faith, to deepen our faith in a time when we've not been able to gather regularly together. And I said that Sunday, I I challenged us with this question. Is our faith too dependent on our Sunday gatherings? Now, of course, there's nothing wrong with Sunday gatherings. We love it. This Church Everywhere experience is fantastic. And we can't wait to get back into this building, gathering in person together. There's something important for our spiritual growth about gathering as a community, worshiping, listening to the word. We're passionate about it. But the reality is, if that becomes the sum total of your faith, if the wholeness of your faith is built on that, I don't think you're living the Christian walk that Paul was calling the church to in Ephesians 4. I don't think you're actually going to find yourself strengthening and deepening your relationship with Jesus if you're relying fully on just that Sunday experience. Instead, it has to be much deeper and broader than that. Because here's the reality. In the hardest moments of life, somebody else's faith is not going to cut it for you. Somebody else's passion for Jesus is not going to cut it for you. Some preacher or pastor or worship band is not going to come through for you. You're going to have to have your own deep roots, your own spiritual walk, your depth in prayer, your reading of scripture, the spiritual disciplines that God has given us as a gift. Those are the things that are going to anchor us for our spiritual growth, no matter what might happen in circumstances and situations around us. And that's exactly what this new sermon series is about. I said on Vision Sunday that in 2021, we were going to help you to enrich and deepen your spiritual foundations. And that's why we're doing Flourish this week and over the next six and, and really, Flourish is exciting because I get to introduce you today something that we've been working as and working on as a pastoral team throughout 2020 and something we can now release to you as a church. It's called our Spiritual Formation Toolkit. And this is an online resource that we've created to help you to journey deeper in your daily spiritual disciplines. The Spiritual Formation Toolkit is designed purely for those who want to say, you know what, I want to invest in my reality of my faith outside of just what we experience together on those Sundays. I want to have deep roots so that no matter what comes in my life, I can flourish. And so we've designed this tool as an online resource to both welcome you and introduce to you what those spiritual disciplines are. For some of you, you might be new to the idea of having daily disciplines. But also for those of us that maybe have been doing those disciplines for years, we've also designed this resource to help to take you deeper in your journey with those disciplines. And we want you to consider the spiritual formation toolkit really as like different ingredients that goes into forming and creating your faith to strengthening the roots that you have with Jesus. And each of those individual ingredients are important. In the toolkit, we actually give you six of those ingredients. So now I want to kind of show you how this works today. Um, Let let me show you the first of those ingredients. Um, It's the ingredients of scripture. And scripture is so important because scripture provides for us the foundation of how we come to understand God's story and everything that is in there. 
But it's not, of course, just about the scriptures. It's also about um, this other ingredients that I think is really important to bring alongside of it. The ingredients of prayer and how prayer becomes so central to our relationship with God, both, again, personally, but also in community with one another. And that raises another ingredient that I, I think we need to focus on if we're going to deepen our faith. And that is to understand that we have community, that we're not supposed to be isolated, that monastery on a hill, but we're supposed to be embedded in doing our faith with others. You know, and it's, it's not just about community on our own, but it's also this idea of deepening our spiritual friendships, finding those one or two or three individuals that we can go deeper in our community with them on a personal basis. And I think when we do that, the, the fifth of these uh, important ingredients comes to mind for me too. Yeah, the idea of work and faith. That our Christian experience is not just this private thing that we have, but it's actually something that is to be found in all areas of our lives, particularly in the places where we invest a lot of our time in our workplaces. And all of this works towards the final ingredients, which, which I think is this one right here, the idea of evangelism. The idea of taking our faith and our growth in Jesus and seeing it lived out through the hands and feet of our community in the neighborhoods around us and living out the gospel story so others can be welcomed into it. So these six elements are the elements that we've captured in the Spiritual Formation Toolkit. And what we're going to do over the next uh, bunch of weeks is actually unpack these for you to kind of give you the idea of, hey, this is what it's like to be a Christian. You know, you're going to take little bits of elements of each of these areas and, and you bring them into your life, concentrating on the things that are helpful to you and where you are in this moment. And then together, as you bring these together into your life, you actually create the holistic strength of what it means to be someone who grows in Jesus. I think this is what Paul was talking about, being mature in the faith. And so over these next six weeks, we're going to take one of these each week. We're going to unpack it. We're going to let you understand it so you get to know all about it. And this week, I get the great privilege of telling you all about Scripture. In fact, what I'm holding in my hands right now for those of you who are millennials and below, this is actually called a physical Bible, okay? This is the real actual thing that you've got on your phone. I hold in my hands what I think is the most profound and most powerful story that has ever been told. This book, I think, is the greatest piece of literature in all of antiquity. There is no other book like this one. This has been banned actually internationally from international bestseller lists because it would be number one every single year. I mean, just consider some of the facts about the Bible. This Bible has been put together by over 39 different authors. 39 different authors contribute to the story. And, and some of those authors were some of the most famous and powerful people of their day. And some of them were the ones that were on the margins, who were forgotten by society, the ones that were the poorest people of their day. 
Inside here are 66 separate individual books, each book that contributes something to the overarching story. And those books have been written over a 1,500-year period from when Genesis 1 and 2 was first captured down to when John the Apostle finishes Revelations 21 and 22, a 1,500-year time span of writing down the words of our Scriptures. And inside those 66 books are 10 different genres, prophecy and legal writings, narrative and and, and parables, different forms of commuting what is on God's heart for us and all of it so that it can tell one simple story. The story of how God is passionate to restore everything that has been broken. A story about a God who moves powerfully in this world to redeem and restore everything back to how he intended it to be. The story of a God who has the power to remove sin and bring life again. The story of a God who sentenced it in the beginning of the bringing of his son, Jesus. This book tells one beautiful story And that story is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And it's about how you can find true life. Let me tell you a couple of things about reading the Bible. The first thing you need to know is that the Bible is not a self-help book. Okay, the Bible is not designed for you just to use it as some self-help book. Now, of course, we can go to our scriptures with our hurts and our pains and our struggles and the things that we're facing, and we can open its pages and we can learn and grow from it, of course. But it's not actually designed for you to use it to dip in and out of, to get that catchphrase for your day. I want to also tell you this. You are not the center of its story. The Bible is not predominantly about you. (laughs) The Bible is actually about God. He is the center of the story. It's manifested through the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Bible sings the story of the beauty of who God is and what God has done. It is Jesus. It is about Jesus. His story found in history. And the most compelling and captivating thing about that is that the more that you come to understand his story, the more you're able to find your story within it. See, here's the thing. I think we actually have a Bible reading problem in the global church right now. See, I I think we actually read the Bible in the wrong direction. Let me explain this. I think so often we actually read the Bible from the position and the direction of starting with ourselves. So we start with the lens of our problems and our issues and the things that we're struggling with and the the things that we're not sure how to handle in our lives. And we read down towards the scriptures, hoping and asking and needing the scriptures to inform our own story. So we're reading in the direction of ourselves to scripture and we become the lens so that everything we read in scripture is filtered through the lens of my hurt, my pain, my struggle, my needs. Everything becomes about that. I think if that's predominantly how you're reading scripture, you're reading it in the wrong direction. Instead, 
I think the Bible is designed for us to read from the direction of the story towards ourselves. That we actually start with what God is saying about himself in the word. That we actually find that in the pages of this book, we get this captivating idea that God has not given up on a rebellious humanity. That God is willing to pursue that humanity from every position and every angle. That God is willing to come in the exodus and take a people who are enslaved and bring them into the promised land. A God who is willing to forgive those people time and time again as they turn from him and begin to worship other idols. A God that brings punishment to them in that and yet has this grace to redeem them every step of the way. A God who so loves everything in this world that he's willing to send his son Jesus. That in the life, death and resurrection of Jesus, we come to understand our restoration as people. And in that restoration, we get to understand why it is that we not only worship him with everything we have, but we want to see our communities change and transformed. Why, when we see injustice happening in our city, we stand up and say, that is not right. Not because we're, we're trying to be some social activists, but because we believe in the gospel and what the gospel says about how God is at work in this world. When you start with that story, it brings your story alive. Maybe we should be reading the Bible in that direction. You see, for me, all 66 books in this Bible draw that story together, each one of them uniquely telling us something, giving us a picture or a window into the person of Jesus, each one of them important for us to know and understand so that we can both understand God and then understand ourselves. I want to I give you a little illustration of what I think reading the Bible as one story is all about. I want you to imagine with me for a moment, if I was going to um, perhaps record a, a band, a, a large band, and maybe that band has, say, you know, 66 different instruments in the band. And if you were going to record a band like this, if you were like the sound engineer, you would have lots of different mics to be able to pick up all those different uh, instruments. And all of that sound would come into like a, a sound console like this one. And you'd have all these different tracks, every single unique individual instrument found in one of those tracks. And here's the great thing. If you're the sound engineer, if you want to hear, like, say, the electric guitar, you'd just find that particular track, you'd solo it, and as the band's playing, all you get to hear is that one electric guitar, and you can make sure it's in tune and sounds good. And, or then maybe you might want to solo the drum kit to make sure the drums sound good, or however it might be, you're soloing the individual tracks so that you can listen specifically to what's important for you. Now, this is the interesting point. The band doesn't want you just to hear the electric guitar. They don't want you just to hear the one vocal or the, the one piece of drums. No, no, the band records the song because it wants you to hear the whole melody. It wants you to hear everything that is playing. And if all you ever do is hear the electric guitar, then you're not actually hearing the song that is being created. Are, are you following the example? See, I, I think reading scripture is very much like that. In fact, uh, I, I want to give you an actual uh, example together today. Um, and I want to show you what I think kind of some of us do when it comes to reading scripture. So, for example, I, I can control this sound desk from this little thing here. And so um, I, I'm going to play a track that I think sounds a little bit like maybe the gospel of Mark. I think it might sound something like this. So there it is. There's like that. 
entry into the person of Jesus. Mark is this gospel that gives us the action of Jesus, kind of who he is and what he does. And maybe you're somebody who loves the gospel of Mark and that's what you often listen to, just that sound. But I want to challenge you that actually maybe it's not just about Mark. Maybe you also like the gospel of John. Gospel of John is a little bit more kind of there than Mark. See, see, the Gospel of John doesn't just tell us about what Jesus did, but it also tells us about what he taught. So the Gospel of John has a, a little bit more sound, a little bit more fullness to it. Or what about, maybe you're an Old Testament person, a little bit like my wife, Christine. She loves the Old Testament. One of our favorite books, perhaps like many of us, is the Psalms. I think the Psalms might sound something like this, right? Like, uplifting and kind of beautiful and the Psalms we love to go to, don't we? Just for that personal devotion and just for that calming influence that they have. I remember uh, many years, uh, John Snowgrove used to uh, tell us that his favorite book in the Old Testament was Joshua, the conquering of the promised land. I think Joshua would sound a bit like this, you know, the drum set going, the kind of pounding of the rhythms of the drums as, as Israel goes into the promised land and defeats the nations there. For me personally, uh, my favorite book of the Bible is the book of Acts. And I think Acts would sound something like this. You know, there's that like excitement to it. It's kind of upbeat. It's kind of happening. There's, there's movement to it. And, and maybe if you are a reader of the Bible, you, you read Acts and maybe every once in a while you add in the Psalms and you get kind of that sound as well. And there's a little bit of those two things because you're reading both of those books. And then maybe if you have time, you throw in a gospel. So let's just um, add uh, Mark back in there as well. And so you've got Mark and the Psalms and Acts and you're beginning to hear something more, but you're still not actually hearing the song that the artist wants you to hear. That song actually sounds more like this. That's all the tracks, all the tracks that are playing, all 66 of them helping you to hear. But here's the reality. So many of us settle with just hearing this. We're happy just to hear that one book of scripture that we focus on perhaps predominantly when actually God wants us to hear all 66 of them playing together, every single one creating this incredible sound for us, and we settle for just the electric guitar, when God has us celebrating the whole melody. See, I think that's what scripture reading is actually all about. I think that's why God gives us 66 books. He wants us to hear the whole symphony play. I think you should read the Bible as in each book gives us something of the melody of Jesus. Together, it is the symphony of Scripture. And perhaps right now you've found that your predominant place is reading one book, maybe two books. And, and you think that that's been the totality. You think you've got everything you need to know about God and Jesus from just those books. And I, I want to challenge you and what this spiritual formation toolkit and this element of exploring the Bible is designed to help you to do is to begin to read the Bible like I've been describing it here today as one story together. See, the actual toolkit for this particular um, discipline of exploring the Bible is broken into two sections. There is the kind of action steps, and then there's going deeper. 
And I want to tell you a little bit practically about that toolkit to help you to begin to think about, okay, I, I get you, Andrew. I want to read the Bible as one story. What are some practical ways that I can begin to do that? Well, in those action steps of that particular part of the toolkit, we actually mention a couple of things that are good resources for you to get. The first is a book that's by Gordon Fee and Douglas Stewart. Uh, it's called How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth. Uh, and that's a fantastic book that just, uh, I don't get a commission for it, by the way. It's a fantastic book that just opens up for us so much about what it is to read the Bible as one story. How can you interpret those different genres? How do you understand the flow of Scripture? How do you bring it all together? So you're hearing all those individual tracks playing in one song. That's a great book to get. They actually released a sequel to that book called How to Read the Bible Book by Book. And that's a great way for you to understand perhaps those individual tracks on the sound console that helps you to really understand what that particular book of the Bible is about and how that book pushes along the story of Jesus. So I can't recommend those two books more highly. Also in the toolkit, we talk about in the action steps segment uh, about the Bible Project. You might have already have heard about the Bible Project. It's a fantastic resource. Lots of videos that are online. You can go to their website. Uh, we have the links to it in the toolkit. And the Bible Project will help you to, again, see the totality of Scripture as that one story. And you can watch lots of different videos from the Old Testament and the New Testament to begin to really get your understanding of what the books of the Bible are all about. And then for those that want to go a bit deeper, we have a uh, further, a kind of going deeper section uh, in the part of the toolkit. And there's a couple of things in there I wanted to just tell you about. First of all, there is a biblical timeline that shows you all 66 books of the Bible and how they fit into a chronological timeline. Now, this is really interesting and really important because the books found in our canon as they occur in the actual Bible are not necessarily in chronological order. But what we can do in that timeline is give a map for you to understand the chronological development of the story of God. That way, when you're reading a particular book of Scripture, you can link it to that timeline and that will help you to understand the moment in history of that part of the book that you're reading. I want to recommend to print out that timeline and put it actually in your Bible. It's a great resource for you to have. One of the other sections in going deeper is this idea of Lectio Divina. You may have heard about Lectio Divina before. It's a, a practice that's happened in the church uh, over thousands of years. It's really a way to prayerfully work through Scripture. And there's a great app that we tell you about in the toolkit called Lectio 365. And it's an app that you can download. I believe it's free to use. Uh, and in that app, uh, there's a daily reflection and devotion, as well as a guide to help you to, to daily pray through a certain segment of Scripture. And there's nothing more important than just reading Scripture, but also then making it a prayer, internalizing it, bringing your faith deeply into it. And I want to encourage you to think about doing that. The final thing that I want to uh, say is really helpful as you begin to read the Bible as one story is begin to read it from different perspectives. There's nothing more valuable for you than to get a group of people together who are from different cultures and backgrounds to you and to read the Bible from each other's different culture. 
uh, in, in this uh, day and age where we see such importance in multiculturalism, where we need to understand and listen to the stories of other cultures and backgrounds, reading scripture from different people's perspectives can really help. That can be different gender perspectives. It can be different race perspectives or culture perspectives. That's a fantastic way for you to open up the glory of God's story in new and fresh ways. So I want to encourage you to think about what it might be if you only ever read the Bible with people that look like you, dress like you, sound like you, and believe exactly the same things you do, you might want to broaden your reading of Scripture by inviting in some people from different cultures and backgrounds. I believe that will be an amazing investment uh, that will bring great riches in your life. That's the practical elements of the toolkit. And as I draw today to a close, I want to read you a passage of Scripture where I think all of this idea of reading the Bible as one story comes together. And it comes from a moment in Jesus's life. This actually takes place after Jesus has died and rose again. It's during his resurrection moments. And there are two disciples walking on the road back to their home in Emmaus. They just experienced all the things that have happened uh, in Jerusalem, with the arrest of Jesus and his death on the cross. And as they're walking along the Emmaus Road, they're talking together about everything they'd just witnessed. And Luke tells us in chapter 24 that Jesus comes up alongside them and he holds himself from being recognized by them. I don't know how he did that, but they weren't able to recognize him straight away. And he asks them, what are you talking about as you walk on the road? And, and they're downcast, they're sad, they're, they're really overwhelmed by trauma of what they just experienced. And they turn to one another and they say to Jesus, are you not aware of everything that's just happened in Jerusalem? And Jesus says, well, explain it to me. And they say, well, there's this Jesus that we believe was the Messiah, but we guess that he must just have been a prophet because they've just killed him on the cross. And, and what's more, the, the women have amazed us. They now tell us that this Jesus has risen from the dead, but, but we're still not sure. Maybe he's just this prophet. And in that moment, Jesus turns to them. I want to pick up this passage. This is Luke 24, just reading from verse 25 and 27. Jesus said to them, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Do not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. If you could transport me to any moment in history, that's the moment I would want to go to. Could you imagine what it would be like to stand next to those disciples with the resurrected Jesus and have Jesus open up all of the scriptures for them, the whole of the Old Testament, opening up all of the Old Testament and showing them how those passages prophesied and spoke about him. I don't think what Jesus did was kind of gather it up and go like, okay, let's go back to Genesis 1 and 2. Okay, where it talks about he spoke and they came into being. That was me. I'm the Logos. I'm the Word. I was right there at the beginning. Okay, let's go forward to Psalm 10. Psalm 10, that's all about me. I don't think that's what Jesus was doing. I think instead what Jesus was doing was retelling them the story of Israel. I think he was going back into the scriptures and telling them the story of Israel and showing them how all of that story now culminates, not just in the birth and the incarnation of Jesus, but in his death on the cross and the resurrection after that. And all of that is pushing forward the narrative. Jesus is saying, how slow you are. Could you not see in the beauty of all 66 tracks, the symphony of the life, death and resurrection of me, of your Savior, Jesus basically challenges them to read the Bible as one story. And it's this amazing thing that the disciples say just after that. Let me read this to you in verse 32. They asked each other, 
Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and he opened the scriptures to us? If there's one prayer that I have for us as a community of faith, if there's one thing that I've dedicated the last 20 years of my life to, if there's one thing as your senior pastor that I am the most passionate about, it's that your hearts would burn in you as we as a community of faith open the scriptures together. As you see the Bible come alive, as the words of God don't become this boring thing that you kind of feel like you're forced to read, but you open the scripture starting with the story itself and then find your story within it. That as you see Jesus come alive in the narrative of the gospels and of all of those 66 books, all playing the one track that sings the melody of Jesus, as you hear that, your heart would burn within you that there would be change and transformation so you would grow as a big person, deeply rooted in the things of the gospel and Jesus and transformative in your outreach to bring justice to the nations. That's what I believe the reading of Scripture can do. May your hearts burn in you as God brings alive His Word. Jesus, before he ascends, gathers the disciples in the upper room. And the Bible tells us he does this amazing thing. It says that he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. And I want to pray for you right now. that The Holy Spirit would come wherever you are and open up your mind and give you a new passion for God's word that it would burn in you like never before. So you can understand the fullness of the story of God. Let me pray for us. Father, we stand in this moment as we start this new series of Flourish, as we turn our hearts to this spiritual formation toolkit, this online resource available for us so that we can have deep roots in our spirituality on a daily basis. Father, we turn to your scriptures today. Lord, forgive us where we've maximized just one channel on that sound console, where we've made our bread and butter and the depth of our faith simply an electric guitar rather than the wholeness of the sound of the melody of the band. Lord, would you bring alive once again your scriptures to us. Lord, like those disciples in Emmaus, we want our hearts burning within us. And it's because you open the word to us. It's because your spirit comes and helps us to understand what these 66 books have to say about you and how therefore it has to say about us. Lord, as we open your word this week, I want to pray for a fresh anointing on the vine church. Lord, I want to pray that you would come like you did for the disciples in the upper room. You would open our minds so we could understand your word at deeper levels than we've ever experienced before. Father, forgive us where we've made ourselves the center of scripture. Forgive us where we treated it like some flimsy self-help book. Lord, root us in your story, Lord. May we find depth and truth and justice and renewal and restoration and hope in the dark times that we're facing all around us in this moment. May we find that in a robust understanding of your story. Lord, would your story come alive to us again? And as it does so, Lord, we pray for changed lives, changed communities, and we pray for a changed city. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Everyone says, Amen.